Israel is a land of diverse cultures, religions, foods, music and people. Join Benji Shulman for the next hour as he explores the devout and divine, the off the wall and outrageous and everything in between. Right here on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review. Welcome to the program on this very special Monday morning. It is, of course, Tubishvat, the birthday of the trees. And so we have a green-themed uh, show for you today, which is uh, great and exciting. Uh, and later on, of course, we are going to be talking uh, about all things green that are coming to Israel, and I'll be giving you some updated news in that respect. But first off, we have a guest in the studio, uh, and someone who is very uh, involved with these kind of issues, and is actually uh, going to be talking to us about stuff that's going on right at the moment. She's Adrienne Rivka Bernstein, uh, and she is from Ancient Roots Israel, which is an Israeli herbalist community, and uh, she joins us today. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us on the New Blue Review. Thank you very much, and I'd like to thank you for this this time. No, it's an absolute uh, pleasure to have you. Uh, perhaps to start off, uh, for people who might not be aware, what is a herbalist, and, and what do you do? So, a herbalist, uh, herbalism has is since the, the dawn of time, really. In fact, the very first doctors were herbalists. And modern medicine today is based on so many natural plants and everything else. And with the um, realization that uh, we can work together with allopathic medicine, which is uh, modern medicine as we know it, there's a very big move to... What else can I do? And I'm sure many of you use Echinetia, which is ancient, ancient herbal. Uh, it, it's based on herbalism. And the beauty of herbalism is that its core principle is to heal and to help everybody, friend or foe. What I like to think of is that it's the heritage of all humankind and a wonderful vehicle to unite. And my personal hashtag is cultural appreciation. And it's so interesting you bring that up because, you know, to be a herbalist uh, anywhere, particularly in South Africa, but even in Israel, it's, it's even more exciting. I've been to parts of Israel which are like biblical gardens, and you can go and see the plants from the Bible, and even in some spaces in the Bible, how they use the plants for certain ailments or in the temple for certain reasons. So it must be very exciting that not only do you have a botanical history in Israel, but you even have a textual one that you can connect with the with the local uh, the lo the land. Exactly, and in fact, in the Bible they speak about the the cup of herbs, and one of our speakers is going to be talking about ancient hyssop which is what we all know and love as Zata. Mm. Well, so, so you're saying one of your speakers, uh, you know, one of the things that your community is up to uh, right at the moment is you're organizing an international herbalist conference in Israel. What was the idea behind that? Well, our um, executive director by the name of uh, Rivka Asolin was she's been a, a practicing herbalist and done much of this. And last year, at the beginning of the year, she 
attended the Herb Fest in Ireland, and she met up with Bettina Thorball, who is on our steering committee, and her dream, Rivka's dream, was to create this wonderful um, conference. It has never been done before in Israel. It's our first international herbalist conference in English. And this was her dream. And Bettina said she would support her. This is a grassroots that was only started eight months ago. But I was going to ask, I mean, is herbalism a big thing in Israel? I mean, are there many herbalists? Major. But it's there is a herbalist guild in Israel, but it's all in Hebrew. Mm. So you've got, and in fact, uh, we have very prominent Israeli guests, um, unfortunately, and I will explain yeah, a bit later, um, but... Uh, our international guests had to withdraw, but the it's enormous in Israel. And in fact, what is so interesting to know is that all the major healthcare um, services like Maccabi and Klalit and that, for at least the last 10 years, have attached to their clinics natural therapy clinics. So it's actually part of the Israeli health system in a in a systemic way. Very much so. Naturopath, reflexology, anything of what we'd like to call alternative. And I must tell you that when I first got involved, and I've I laugh because I say that you know coming from South Africa, I was always fascinated by witch doctors and natural herbalists. And my late grandfather was a pharmacist, and they were all herbalists. They had to make their own uh, med- medication. I'm going back to the the, the old style apocry. Uh, what do they? Apocry. Apocry. And so I put herbalism with all the alternative medicine sort of thing, until I really started to delve into it and realized that, as I said, it's the the founding father of medicine. Mm, mm. And, and I mean, I'm interested in, in, in that issue of, of herbalists and gormas, the, the South African could... Con- uh, Contribution to herbal thought is there is there contact in terms of Israel and South Africa and that discussion? I mean, I imagine the plant life is quite different, but I wish there was. Mm. And this is our whole idea, and why I'd love to be you know involved here. We would love, hopefully, this conference will be an annual event, and I could think of nothing nicer than having a South African Sangoma. Uh, as speaking and and being at our conference, that would be amazing. Well, uh, if you're a South African uh, Sangoma, uh, please uh, let us know. Uh, we're talking to Adrienne Rivka Bernstein today. She's from Ancient Roots Israel, uh, and she's a herbalist. And we're discussing uh, herbalism in general and and the role it plays in people's lives. I, I, I do want to just talk about the medical aspect for a second. You know, you, you speak about healing and about uh, you know. Uh, what it what it can do for people, and obviously in South Africa, herbs and herbalism took a uh, had a bad time during the nineties under the AIDS crisis and whatever because it was, you know, being used 
in, in maybe ways that people felt was bad from a, a policy perspective. But so you as a herbalist, I'm interested if someone comes to you and says, I'm, I'm ill or, or, or I need healing. How do you approach how you help, um, how you help someone and, and the kind of remedies that you think of for them? At the outset, I'd like to tell you that I'm, my goal is to become a um, certified herbalist. Mm. So at this stage of my life, I don't treat people. From the herbalists I've been to, they're incredibly knowledgeable. The, a herbalist will treat you from the tip of your hair to the tip of your toes. It's a very holistic approach. You would be asked so many questions and they would, as you said, because it's so ancient, and there is so much history, and so much is written um, about it, that they'd work out what would be the correct tinctures for you. What I do want to stress is that no herbalist will ever tell you to stop your chronic meds or your medication or God forbid you, you've got uh, cancer and you're going through chemo, what they would do would be their very best to help boost your immune system to cope and recover. It's not an all or nothing thing, Benji, and this is so important to know. I'm a herbalist. Uh, in, I'm not a qualified herbalist. I, I'm a believer in herbal. I follow herbal medicine, but I also have a chronic condition, mm-hmm. and no, and I need to work together with the medicine that keeps me going. However, a lot of allopathic medicine, and let's say that a lot of illnesses or are caused by a reduction of the immune system. Mm-hmm. And what we try and do and what my colleagues who are certified herbalists do is boost the immune system. Right, right. So let's talk about your, your conference, uh, for a little, for a little bit and, uh, the sort of unfortunate incident that you, that you mentioned. Uh, cause it is interesting for me how uh, pernicious sometimes some of these things are, and I explain now because, uh, you, you had a, a BDS incident on, 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 on herbalism of all, of all things, uh, and, and you were, you were really trying to do something good and bring people together. Tell us a little bit about what happened because it, it sounds very, uh, I, I mean, disturbing. Well, I wouldn't say it, it was an incident. I would say that it was a coordinated international attack mm. on our tiny little grassroots herbalist um, event and um, it took us by absolute shock and surprise um, how, how did they find us and I'll, I'll, as briefly as possible just give you a series of the events that happened everything was going fine uh, as I said we're grassroots we've got no funding the event is we it overlooks the Kinneret. We took over part of a, a magnificent venue, and um, we specially have chosen Tubishvat because it it's green and it's regrowth. And I'll tell you briefly some of the lectures. In fact, 
there's a wide variety of lectures. So at that stage, uh, at the end of December, we need 50 tickets to break even, a minimum, um, without us having to, to lay out. And um, by the end of December, we had sold 30 tickets. However, in about November, we heard ripples that our main speakers were being harassed by BDS supporters. Hmm. Um, on the 1st of January, we were contacted by our uh, main speaker, Seven Song, who is based in America. And very interestingly enough, Seven Song, whenever he's got long hair and whenever he introduces himself at a conference, he will tell people, I know that you think I'm Indian, but actually I'm second generation Russian Jewish. Hmm. Um, he was severely harassed and to the extent that uh, his livelihood was threatened and he has his life dream of free clinic in America that was threatened and he asked to withdraw and with much sadness we don't want people to suffer so he withdrew and then our next speaker an international speaker Danny O'Raw who heads up the Island uh, Herbal, Herbalist Guild the same thing happened to him we accepted his withdrawal and then uh, Bevan Clare who is president of the American Herbalist Guild, which has tens of thousands of members, it's one of the biggest in the world, was asked to pull her video of support. And we couldn't understand this. How did they even find us, Benji? Here we are, these, we were started off six, we're now five women, people from all over, we are four Olim in uh, in Israel. We four Olim in Israel. We have one in America and one in um, in Switzerland. And we discovered that the coordinator of this attack was in is in fact the editor of the Journal of the American Herbalist Guild, and she's connected with a certain Badi Dwak who lives in Hebron and he's a major activist. And they're all connected to a guy by the name of Mohammed Sufan who organizes the anti-apartheid week at McMaster University, Ontario, where Shabina is, is connected. So it came from inside at a herbalist attacking herbalists. Mm -hmm. And this was our major surprise. But we have got an amazing lineup. So talk to us a little bit, actually. I mean, it's a, yeah, I, I, I think that listeners who uh, maybe have been in South Africa, this kind of thing would not be particularly news to them because South Africa often has to work with this kind of thing. But it shows you how, uh, how, how it actually insidious and eats, you know, as you say, inside the community and, and people who are, are working for the same goals, you have these activists who turn people against them and attack their own and, you know, would actually undermine the livelihood of their fellow community just be, to make a political point, which is very sad, I think. Um, but tell us rather actually what's, what, you know, what, what is actually at the conference? What are you going to be doing? Because that's actually really the important part, not, you know, a couple of crazies in America. Absolutely. So the conference is over two and a half days. 
our goal is to form this community, and we have the most amazing, um, uh, the most amazing speakers with us. We have uh, Sarah Hannah Silverstein, who's speaking on herbs for emotional health and balance. We have Rebetzin Hannah Bracha Siegelbaum, who wrote. Um, They've all written books and papers, and she's doing the mystical and medicinal properties of the seven fruits of Israel. Very Tubishvat appropriate. Exactly. And we're having a Tubishvat Seder. Wow. Yes, very much. uh, That's so exciting. Um, We also have got herb walks. What's herb walks? Do you know that we can walk in, in... in the fields here in South Africa, I'll never forget a story of somebody who got stung by uh, blue bottles mm. and was told to break an aloe vera and rub it on. And it's it's all there for us. So, But these herb walks will teach us, and they're teaching us how to identify nettles, what to do with it, what is nettle tea. Um, all these amazing Plants that we dig up and throw in to the garbage mm. because we think they're weeds. There's not that many that are poisonous. You've got to be very careful, though, yeah, and you've got to yeah. know how to identify it. We've got herbal first aid for home and travel. We've got your back backyard greengrocer. Um, medicinal plants of the Holy Land, legends, folklores, and uses. So we are bringing in the modern We've got a cooking dim. We've got how to make your own tinctures with oils, herbs. We even go into labor, herbs for labor and postpartum, for um, clinical and home use, fermenting, which is absolutely vital. You know, so many of us were brought up on sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. Now, sauerkraut is fermented and highly nutritional. Um, one very, very interesting one that will be um, tomorrow is the intersection of medicinal mushrooms and herbs. And so it goes on. No, it, it sounds it, absolutely it's fascinating. Wonderful. And, 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 and so I like the way that you brought in uh, a practical aspect uh, for people who, you know, it's not just a theoretical thing or, or ancient history. It really is very practical everyone day, every, everybody's daily life. And, and this, as you said, this aspect of ancient and, and, and the Jewish angle, I think is, is, is phenomenal. Uh, now, now obviously, uh, you know, this year it might be too late, but if, if people want to support, uh, the, the organization or the conference or, or, you know, sign up for next year, whatever. How can they find out more information and get more information about her in general? Certainly. Well, it's not too late to help us mm. because of the BDS attack, a lot of our tension went towards it and our sales have suffered and we haven't reached our 50. Right. Um, so we have, we are on Facebook. I'll give you the, the names on uh, the web. And on Instagram and on the web, which is, and I will, it's ancientrootsisrael.com, one word. Okay. And you could, and we would love it, have a donate, you can make a donation via the registration link, okay. which will take you to Eventzilla. Great. So 
any help. And um, I even, and our Facebook page is Ancient Roots Israel. Um, and you could make a note that you might even want to be in Israel next year to be shvat, to be part of this. It's it's so exciting. And the idea is to build community, to heal, um, and to love. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, fantastic. If you want to support a, a South African in Israel who's uh, uh, doing this and a, a really a brand new project uh, who's, who's come out And another pressure. South African who's now living in, in – she was in Israel. She's now in America. She's on our steering committee. <laughs> We're everywhere, <laughs> guys. South Africans, <laughs> even in the herbalist. Yeah, so, so go ahead and uh, – uh, go check out Ancient Roots Israel and uh, make a donation. Uh, uh, you know, a group of people doing some good stuff uh, and come under, uh, as usual, sort of unjustified attack uh, for, for the work that they're doing. But uh, nonetheless, fantastic work. Um, Adrian, good luck with your, uh, with your, with your conference. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, be able to talk to you next year when you do the second one. Absolutely. And thank you, everybody. And much appreciated. There we go. Uh, Adrian Rifka Bernstein from Ancient Roots Israel will be back just after this. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 High FM, I'm Benji Shulman back with you on the Tubishvat show on High FM. Welcome to it. Hope you are having a great Tubishvat uh, and just taking some time to appreciate all your happy tree friends uh, out there in the world. Now, one of the things which I thought is super interesting is, uh, you know, obviously Tubishvat is today and it's the trees and uh, there's been lots of interesting celebrations going on with, uh, around it. Um, I know that uh, different Jewish organizations have been doing different things to do with it uh, right now or in next half an hour or so. I, I know Kadena is doing a tree planting at King David uh, and of course the JNF is uh, very busy with some of their educational materials and, and working in the schools. And yesterday, I saw a bunch of uh, picnics that were ha- that were happening, uh, uh, suadas, uh, and even one group of uh, of Jewish activists who are artists. They did an artistic uh, recreation in a park uh, of Tubishvat uh, last night as well. So lots and lots going on in the community around Tubishvat. And uh, I mean, I, I was even uh, at a couple of uh, life cycle celebrations the other day, uh, yesterday, rather weddings and uh, opportunists and that sort of thing. And uh, it's amazing how the Tubishvat uh, rhetoric got brought in there as well. So, so lots going on, and lots of people thinking about Tubishvat. And and I'd love to know what does it mean for you? Are you uh, big into Tubishvat? Uh, I'd love to hear if you're doing any celebrations. What does it look like? How do you like to celebrate? You can telegram us if you would like to on 0618951019, uh, or you can SMS us on 34519, and uh, I'd love to hear what you think of Tubishvat. What have you been doing with it? Uh, I think it would be very cool to hear from you. But what's interesting, and what I thought I would talk about for the next few minutes uh, in, in terms of Tubishvat, is that it's a sort of a minor uh, festival, and uh, there's no specific halacha connected to it, which makes it quite unusual. You know, normally we expect to be the fasting or eating or uh, we had to uh, go 
and uh, you know light candles or you know certain employee chauffeurs whatever it is there's normally a halacha connected to to some kind of the holidays and tubish fat is quite unusual in that there's no specific halacha that are connected to it and as a result the jewish community and jewish people uh have been able to uh, have really been able to Interpret it in the way that they see fit, uh, and that's why you have a variety of these interesting approaches to Tubishvat. And I thought it would be interesting to go back in time a little bit, and and just understand where it came from and what have been some of the associated celebrations with with Tubishvat. So, what you may know is that Tubishvat comes from the Temple era. And when we talk about the birthday of the trees, the, the Rosh Hashanah of the trees, the head year of the trees, uh, what did that mean in ancient Israel? It's very interesting. So there is, of course, a halacha around the law, around this, uh, where if you have trees in the land of Israel, you can only pluck the fruit, pick the fruit from the tree after three years. So in the fourth year, uh, you can then take fruit off. And in the fourth year, uh, you have to take a certain Trees as a tithe uh, for for the temple because that's you know, all agriculture is tithed in ancient Israel, and a, a portion is taken to the temple. But how do you decide when is the third year and the fourth year at what particular time? So, in effect, tithing took place on Tubishvat. There was actually a, a a bit of an argument between the, the houses of Hillel and Shammai about when it actually was. Some uh, Shammai thought it was the first of Shvat and uh, um, uh, the House of Hillel thought it was the 15th and the House of Hillel won out. So, so the, really, actually, if, when we talk about the, the tree year, uh, what we're actually talking about is a kind of a tax year, right? It was when the taxes for the temple and the tithes for the temple were taken off the trees. So, so it's actually a kind of originally a celebration of, of this, of this moment when you can actually take your, your produce through. So that's the origin of, of the holiday. But after the after the destruction of the temple and the removal of the Jewish people from their homeland, obviously that was not going to happen anymore, and uh, and yet the holiday remained, which is very interesting, uh, and and it it was around for a while, but it's particularly started to gain some prominence again in the Middle Ages, and it was kept alive uh, through various uh, midrashic themes and kabbalistic themes. And uh, some historians suggest that it was still considered a minor holiday uh, in the sort of uh, 1000 BCE, and that school children actually didn't go to school uh, on those certain days for for, for Tu and uh, there was sort of a sort of agricultural type theme. People would go and learn uh, agricultural themes from the Bible and uh, uh, Talmudic passages about agricultural laws, and that was kind of the holiday. But it really got a big kick in the pants, so to speak, uh, to which fact when the Kabbalists uh, developed their school of thought in uh, the town of Sfat. And through that process and the kind of spiritual uh, ideas that were being developed in there, uh, in that town and, and amongst the, the Kabbalists there, uh, th- that's where we get this tradition of uh, the Tubishvat Suda, this um, this this is a tradition where you obviously take the seven fruits of Israel, the figs and the pomegranates and wheat and 
uh, all of the other ones that are there, and wine, and 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 and, and there's like a, you know a certain amount of the kind of fo- focuses uh, follows rather a sort of Pesach uh, kind of focus. So so that is a very interesting uh, background, and and that's where part of what we do today uh, comes from the the the, the Sudat for 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 Tubishvat. Then in the 19th century, the Zionists get hold of it. So people start coming back to the land. They find a desolate country. Um, and, and what they find is, is that they need to plant trees. And so Tubishvat becomes a tree planting festival, very much associated with the JNF and the work that the JNF does in planting trees. And people give money to the, the blue box and the Sadakitans and, and they plant trees on the, on the holiday and every, and school children plant trees. And so it becomes a massive Arbor Day type thing uh, that that starts to become a, a big part of Jewish life, and people are big into tree planting. Then, after a while, um, there is also um, an additional an additional layer to this, if you like, because in the '60s you have the hippie cultural revolution, and you have all of these people who are getting into activism, and they want to. They want to be involved, but they're not Jewishly connected. And particularly in America, this becomes a big thing. And ecological issues in the 60s become a big deal. And so many rabbis and people who are doing outreach to Jews at that time see ecological issues, which are very prominent in the Torah in a variety of ways, uh, looking after trees and uh, looking after the environment. is a big part of uh, of Torah ideas and values, um, and we may we'll talk about that another time. But but they see Tubishvat as a way to engage that, and so they bring back some of those elements to start engaging people and people who are involved in the ecological side of things, and they bring the Torah aspect to reach out to Jews who don't know about their heritage. And so Tubishvat then has this uh, additional layer added onto that. And then of course today, all of these factors are there. We have. Uh, maybe without the, the tax bit, I don't think the Israeli government is yet taxing trees. Uh, but you've got the sudas that people do. There are, of course, ecological uh, aspects like you heard in our interview before. And, of course, the Zionist element is very, very big. So um, so, so all of it is part of the Tubishvat culture and tradition. So I just thought I would bring that to you. I think it's absolutely uh, fantastic. And uh want to hear from you what it is that you are doing with your Tubishvat. Let's take a break. We'll be back just after this. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and uh, this is the Tubishvat edition of the New Blue Review, one of my favorite shows of the year. Uh, you know, we love talking about all things trees and green, and uh, we're continuing to do that today. Uh, by the way, Heather, Heather from Highlands North has sent us a message, uh, and Heather says, I'm taking my father down to the Nosh Cafe in the garden this morning. Chag Tubishvat Samach. Thank you so much, Heather. Uh, that's how she is celebrating Tubishvat, and uh, I would love to hear from you how you are celebrating, even if you're just eating a fig. I just want to, if you're just having one fig today uh, to celebrate Tubishvat, then that's what I want to hear. Uh, so you can telegram us on 0618951019 or you can SMS us on 34519. So, uh, yeah, that is, uh, that is the, the, the line that you can call and the number that you can call. Now, carrying on with the theme 
I thought it was a very interesting uh, discussion that uh, we could be having just right at the moment. That is plant-themed, sort of. Uh, it's uh, quite crazy. So, obviously, it's too much about you want to have a fig, you don't want to have a burger. But what happens if your burger was 3D printed and vegan? Yeah, that's right. I said it. 3D printed burgers that are also vegan. Uh, and uh, this is the a chain of burgers uh, or an Israeli chain of burger restaurants, rather. And uh, if you've been to Israel, you actually know them. They're called Burgers Burger Bar, the triple B. Uh, they have a sort of logo with a big B in it, and uh, you, you see them all around Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. And they are partnering with a group called Saver Eat on a system that prints, prints like as in a printer, plant-based burgers on demand. And they're going to be piloting this at some of the chain's, uh, some of the chain's branches. So, uh, last year, a, uh, 3D printer for plant-based burgers was being developed by startup Saver Eat. And now they've started, uh, working to put it into the burger bar, uh, delivery system. Uh, so uh, they're doing a beta pilot test of 100 uh, BBBs, Moseses, and Burgerim restaurants within the next two years. Uh, and apparently Saver Eat is quite excited to work with them because they say that their speci- speciality is burgers. And uh, so they know how burgers taste and feel, which is, I suppose, uh, one advantage of working with a burger bar. And so... Uh, what Saver Eats is going to do is they're going to create these 3D printed uh, platforms which can then bake or grill or fry personalized plant-based burgers using ingredient cartridges. Uh, the key ingredient is apparently a shelf-stable shelf sub-micron glycerine, glycerine cellulose. Yes, I'll say that again. A, a shelf-stable sub-micron crystalline cellulose zero-calorie derivative of plant fiber. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. It sounds like a completely strange chemical, but whatever. And it also uh, apparently has a self-assembling binder in place of starch, white eggs, gluten, or gelatin. Uh, And uh, currently you can get your burger printed one at a time, uh, but uh, they want to get it to eight at a time in six minutes. And uh, apparently the partnership with BBB will help them understand the operations of chain restaurants uh, to make sure that that can be easily integrated into the environment. Um, and apparently they're uh, starting to engage multinationals and additional seed and want, are looking for more seed funding. Ha-ha. So, I mean, that is crazy. It's like watching an episode of Star Trek, if you ask me. Um it's uh, amazing. So you'll be able to go pretty soon into a bar in Jerusalem and just order yourself a, a printed burger and be like, yep, I want that. And there's no meat involved. There's barely any plants involved. It's a plant derivative. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I think that's that's mad. Uh, but there you go. How is that for a Tubishvat story? Um, Mervyn, by the way, has sent us an SMS. He said, Tubishvat is not a figment of your imagination. Well, thank you, Mervyn. <laughs> I like that. Uh, a bit of extra humor on the Tubishvat edition of the New Blue Review today. Uh, by the way, if uh, you want to give us your view on 3D printed burgers or uh, 
or, or what you're doing for two bishvat, let us know. You can telegram us 061-895-1019 or you can SMS us on 34519. Uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back just after this. This is the new Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 Chai I'm Benji Shulman. This is the Tubishvat edition of the New Blue Review. And uh, we're talking all things Tubishvat and environmentally uh, friendly and uh, all these sorts of wonderful green-related issues. And, uh, yeah, we could say that we are having greetings to all of our uh, listeners out there and everyone who uh, listens to the show, who's interested in uh, in all the things that we we talk about on the show. So, uh, if you're interested, please let us know what how you're greening up the world today. You can telegram us oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine, or you can SMS us on three four five one nine. Now, if you are a going to a Tubishvat event, the question is, what are you going to wear? Well, you might be interested to know that the average American wears a T-shirt. Seven times before dis- uh, discarding it, which I don't see, doesn't seem like very much, uh, I have to say. I wonder where they got this statistic from. Um, and often uh, you have people when uh, shops, when, when things don't sell, they just burn things and, and, and they don't use them. Uh, so, so it's a huge issue that uh, we're facing because clothes production can actually impact the environment quite considerably because there's a lot of water that goes in. And uh, a lot of, of petrochemicals, and it's a, a real, real problem. And so, a lot of people are starting to look at new ways to deal with clothing and how we wear it. And uh, you know, as opposed to not wearing clothes, which I don't think would be completely useful. Uh, and so, in Israel, there is a new on, open online platform for researchers and designers who are supporting sustainable fashion and helping existing textile, textile companies transition from uh, transition into rather sustainable design and manufacturing because sustainability uh, is obviously a key a key aspect in uh, in in the fashion revolution now i don't think that that means that everyone has to start wearing uh, plastic bags for example that's that's not really uh, what is going on but i do think that there is more discussion about how, for example, do you have better materials that can be used? And uh, how do we start to create processes that are good for the environment? And, uh, you know, it's it's a really uh, – and, and, of course, how do you make things profitable? So apparently uh, trashing is becoming a new thing, uh, which is making trash – making textiles from trash, including discarded clothing – uh, and I suppose it's what they call upcycling. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, to be honest. Uh, but apparently, you can even win awards now for for um, for for clothing that has been uh, recycled and has been re- reused. So uh, uh, that that is kind of interesting. So, for example, there's one company uh, which is operating on this platform. Uh, her, it's called Remit. Re Re. Excuse me. Remint. Uh, by someone called Eleanor Rosenthal, and uh, she uses discarded bubble wrap and industrial polyetherian poly- scraps from from Israeli factories, and takes them and makes them into fabrics for items such as bags and wallets. So that's obviously dealing 
with the with the plastic aspect, which is is a huge issue. And uh, I know, for example, that people have been trying to take plastic out of the ocean and uh, put it into uh, little bangles. So, so that's another another element of it. So dealing with uh, plastic in that way, uh, and of course there is um, bamboo, which is a great, uh, which is a great textile product and that grows very quickly. Although there's some water issues uh, around that. Uh, even locally in South Africa, there's a, a number of interesting uh, and different uh, brands and things that you can look at. Uh, there is, uh, for example. A group called Mungo, which they make uh, towels and hand towels and all of these kinds of things. And, and the interesting thing about them is they use, they, 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 in a mill down in, in the Eastern Cape, and there's sort of a, a bunch of local women who learn how to, to do it, and it's all sort of handmade, what they call flat weave. So it, it's one weave on top of the other, and, and it's made from various cottons, and I think they do also have, uh, things like bamboo and all that kind of thing, but it's very uh, absorbent for water. So people use it uh, for towels and for for hand towels in the kitchen and for swimming towels and blankets. So uh, even here in South Africa, this is a um, a big deal. And uh, and of course, even uh, the the whole printing thing that we spoke about uh, earlier with the burgers, of course, applying to fashion as well. Uh, a lot of systems are starting to do on-demand garments. So you can go into a place and uh, and say, look, I need uniforms or bedding or textiles or whatever. And uh, and then you can do it directly so you don't have to overproduce, which is what I was talking about earlier, where people are overproducing and therefore having to throw away. So if you're interested in that, you can check out Cornet Digital. Uh, who They do uh, printing uh, on-demand in that particular uh, in that particular way, and they have a great video that you can see as well uh, about uh, about how they do it. So there we go. Uh, lots of green things, whether you're interested in planting trees or eating burgers uh, or or engaging the Israeli uh, Herbalist Association or all these sorts of things. Uh, they, it is easier and more interesting and more fun to be green than it has ever been. So that's a great way. Uh, to celebrate Tu Bishvat in general. Brings us to the end of the show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you did enjoy. Uh, have a great Tu Bishvat. Eat a fig, eat a pomegranate, plant a tree, do some recycling, uh, whatever makes your green heart sing. And we'll be back with you next week on the New Blue Review.